welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Next up on the ABCA podcast is Division I NJCAA National Champion McLennan Community College Head Coach Mitch Thompson. This finishes our series of ABCA coaches that were national champions this year. Coach Thompson was honored with the ABCA ATEC Coach of the Year Award. McLennan was 47-16, and 16, winning their last 23 games and running the table in Grand Junction. They had a 961 OPS and a 4.12 ERA as a team. This was McLennan's second national championship in program history. Coach Thompson has 30-plus seasons as a baseball coach. He spent time as a Division I assistant at Mississippi State, Auburn, Radford, and Baylor. He's created a culture of winning at McLennan with three World Series appearances and six straight Region 5 appearances since he took over in 2015. Not surprising, this is a great conversation with Coach Thompson's wealth of experience in the game. We cover their championship run, his assistance, what he's learned over the course of his career, his fail-forward moment, and how he handled McLennan's four-game losing streak in the middle of the season. Let's welcome Coach Thompson to the podcast. Here with Mitch Thompson, McLennan Community College, ABCA ATEC, uh, Coach of the Year, longtime assistant, Mississippi State, Auburn, Radford, Baylor, scouted for a year. So, Mitch, uh, you're one of my favorites, so thanks for jumping on with me. Ryan, great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me today. Have you had a chance to reflect? I know it was a little bit ago, early in the summer, but have you had a chance to reflect on the 47 and 16 uh, year? And a national yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I'm, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's become real. That's, that's, that's the cool part about it. Uh, but the, the kind of the kind of the weird part about it is, you know, here in a week we start up next year and nobody cares anymore. So uh, I'm sure glad you got me on here while somebody still cares. <laughs> <laughs> that's been a common theme with the with the guys that I've talked to that want it that. You know, it's great, but then you got to turn right back around and try to get ready for the fall. And have you talked to any coaches about maybe how to handle that adjustment with your team coming in this fall? I've just talked with my coaches about it, you know, and that, you know, we, we've got to move on. We're, uh, we're now trying to win 2022. And, you know, if you sit there and pat yourself on the back about 2021, you're probably going to uh, have a dud for 2022. So that's not what we're going to try and do. How many returners off that team from last year? 
so, some guys off the mound. Uh, we'll be, we, but we lost our entire lineup. I mean, we've we've got one returning starter. You know, one one to two tops returning starters, position player wise. So, uh, but that's kind of how it is every year. You know, I mean, at the junior college level, if you're going to lose at least half your team every year, and so um, you know, and especially if you have like a national championship team, you might lose more than that. So. And you had some guys in your lineup last year that were with you for a little bit, right? With with the COVID season. Yeah, we had uh, we had probably five or six guys that were third year guys. So we were we were a fairly veteran club and uh, and and brought in some nice transfers to join them. Uh, you know, along with uh, along with the incoming freshman class that we really liked, and uh, you know, it was it was a good mesh. Uh, but we did have we did have some veteran presence in our lineup. And you had a pause last year during the schedule, and then you you come off the pause and you lose four games in a row right after that. How was that? You know what? We had that that bad uh, snowstorm down in Texas, and you know one thing I learned. You know, growing up in the Midwest, you know you can have seven eight inches of snow, you're still going to school. Uh, I mean, you get seven eight inches of snow in Texas, and it shuts the world down. And I mean, literally the world. And uh, so you know we were we were off for like two weeks, and. And couldn't get the guys even up there to practice. It wasn't safe. The roads were were incredibly unsafe. And so uh, we came back and we did. We we laid an egg and and uh, you know at one point we found ourselves ten and ten in the season before we kind of turned it on and really became the club that we could be. How did you stay patient after that pause? Because you know it's going to take you a little bit to get back in the groove. How, how did you stay patient? I wasn't very patient. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I mean I. I knew we had a really good club. I, I knew we had a team that could compete for a championship. And, you know, we started off pretty good, went down to San Jack tournament and did well. But then we kind of just hit a lull and we just didn't play very well. And, uh, you know, we, we did. We came back from getting shut out at Navarro. And and uh, I thought we were just – it was just a really sad effort from our club. And, uh, you know, we had, we had to get everybody's attention. And, uh, and thankfully we did. And from that point in time on, I mean, we were 37 and six the rest of the way. So it was a lot more fun after that. Yeah. How were those practices after that? I mean, I think every coach goes through this, you're going to have a lull at some point. How do you get the ship righted at that point when you lost four games in a row? How do you write the ship? Well, you know what? I think you just got to be, you, you got to be consistent with your guys. Your guys got to know what to expect from you as a coach. I mean, if they see you panicking, then, uh, then they're definitely going to panic. You know, uh, you got to be consistent. And I just think one of the things that we're, we're, we're really pushing all the time is just trying to be excellent. And so, you know, I'm on them, I'm on them all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm pushing, 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 pushing sometimes to the point where they think that I'm pushing too hard and too far. But, uh, uh, you know, I just, I expect a lot of them because I know what they're capable of doing. I can, I, I can see, I think, I think I can see what they can become as individual players, and I and I know I can see what our team can become if we'll all come together. And uh, so, you know, I'm pushing, and and I just push, continue to push. I actually told our our assistant coaches, okay, I've pushed all I can push right now. They're either gonna they're either gonna buy in and take over, and we're gonna take off and and go on an incredible run, or else they're not. And if they're not, there's nothing really else that we can do at this point in time because we've 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 played our We've played our trump cards. Yeah, and you won your last 23 games. So obviously you're pushing the right buttons. But who, who are those leaders in the clubhouse? Because I think you have to have that. If, if you're going to really ride them, you've got to have players behind the scenes when they're in the locker room together and their apartments together, the dorms together, talking about that where it, the wheels don't fall off for your program. 
Who right. are some of those leaders on your on your squad yeah. that, that helped with that? Yeah, the veteran guys on our team, you know, they 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 bought in too, position player wise. I mean, you know, Garrett Martin's a third year guy, and and Garrett had a phenomenal year for us, hit twenty home runs, and you know was our four hole hitter. Dominic Tamez was an All American, uh, first team All American, you know, transfer from Arkansas. Mason Greer, Miguel Santos, position player wise, we had a lot of guys that were, you know, they they weren't unhappy with how things were going as well. And then pitching wise, I mean, um, you know. I don't know that I ever questioned our our heart or our effort, but it was just kind of like our our intent was just, hey, you know, it's going to happen. We're going to be good at the end, and um, I just wanted to, I wanted them to start being good every day. Uh, and and you know, the practices took off. Pitching staff wise, you know, I mean, Landry Wyden was phenomenal out of our bullpen as kind of a leader. Logan Henderson, the you know the pitcher of the year. I mean, you didn't ever have to tell Logan to work hard. Brady Rose, Will Karsten. We, Rick Threadgill, we had a bunch of guys that uh, that stepped up and and had our backs as coaches, and they, they weren't happy with the performance either when we were ten and ten. Talk about Logan Henderson. It seems like good backstory, maybe under recruited or wasn't recruited at all. Maybe has a chip on his shoulder and, and still got it drafted, still pitching well. I mean, talk about Logan a little bit. Yeah, you know, one of the things I I, I just say to guys as coaches that are out there, you know, building your. Uh, building your, your connections and your friends and your people in the game is really important. And, you know, I mean, Logan's summer league coach was Zach Dillon, one of my former players in an all American for us at Baylor. And, you know, we're going to go down and watch his team uh, go through a workout. And, and Zach just tells me, he said, this is the guy, this is the winner right here. This is the guy I've seen it too many times, big game pitcher. And, you know, I mean, Logan was 85 to 87 that day when we went and saw him, but he could pitch and had a change up and a breaking ball locate and and Zach just goes I'm telling you this guy's going to take off and so we bought in and uh and we recruited Logan and really he didn't have any options uh you know coming out of his junior year very few if any you know mid-major division one opportunities but he uh he signs with us after his senior year of the COVID year he goes and pitches in a collegiate league and all of a sudden he's lighting the world up you know I mean his velos ticked up he's and he's striking out the world everybody I mean he pitched in this collegiate league down in Houston and was like struck out like 41 out of 45 batters that he faced on the season, you know, and you're like, Oh my gosh, well that got everybody's attention. Cause every week they were tweeting something out about him. <laughs> uh, and you know, he, he was very loyal to us and, and, you know, I'm coming to McLennan and, and uh, man, it sure worked out for him too. pitcher of the year and fourth round draft pick first NJCA player taken in the country, uh, you know, which is the third time in the last four years we've had that guy on our team. So that's been really cool to watch those guys get those opportunities. And, you know, he signed for almost a half a million dollars and he's out in the Milwaukee Brewers organization now. How long does it take you to develop that eye? I think you've had a knack for that over the course of your career of maybe seeing a guy that's 85 to 87 and trusting what your eyes are telling you and what he's going to look like in a couple of years. How long does it take you to develop that? Well, it was easier trusting it just because Zach had seen him so much too. And, you know, and I trust Zach implicitly and you, you know, we all have friends like that, but man, uh, when you're, when your buddies know what you're looking for and they know, they know the type of kids you want. And, you know, when I saw him, he reminded me of Ryan LaMotta, who was an all American that we had at Baylor. And that's exactly who he reminded me of. And, you know, I was, <laughs> I thought if I can get another Ryan LaMotta, this would be fun, fantastic. So, um, really, really ha happy for Logan, you know, I, I think it, it's always easier when you see guys more times than once. It's it's way easier if you see them in real person than if you see them on video. And, uh, 
you know, I mean, we're hesitant to recruit off of video. We want to, we want to see kids in person. We want to see them multiple times. And, and uh, when you do that, you really get a good feel for their makeup. What has Grand Junction meant to the Division One Junior College Baseball? It's the whole world. <laughs> uh, Grand Junction's phenomenal. The people there, the the support staff they have, all the people that that volunteer their time. You know, you can't beat this place. And I've I've told people this ever since I first got to go. If if you're a college baseball fan and you've never been to Grand Junction on Memorial Day weekend, then you're missing out on one of the true gems of. Of, of, of what what college baseball is all about. I think I think Grand Junction is what Omaha was before TD Ameritrade back in the Rosenblatt day, you know, with the service clubs and everybody fully involved and and uh, really, really an unbelievable place. What a beautiful setting and what what beautiful people that just love it. I mean, we played the first game of that tournament at 9 a.m. in the morning. The very first game of the tournament, there's 6,000 people in the stands. Uh, which was incredible. And then from then on, we played every night game that we played and there's 10 or 11,000, you know? So for our kids, that's quite an experience and uh, a lot of fun. Talk about your assistance a little bit. And and by the way, thank you for the Barnstormers last fall. You picked up, it was amazing. The guys that helped out in a really tough time for us too, because you're trying to still get some, some events. And so, you know, Tyler Johnson, James Lefferton, Peter Stark, they all jumped in and spoke and did a phenomenal job. So talk about those guys a little bit. Yeah, it was, it was great for them to have that opportunity. And we were glad to have you guys there. Uh, really blessed with, with tremendous assistant coaches. You know, you're never going to, you're never going to win anything as a team without guys that are really bought in that are helping you along the way. And the thing that, the thing that I love about my guys is that, you know, I, I really, I really don't have to coach them a whole lot. You know, I mean, they know what they're doing. And so if I do a good job and, and, and delegate and then let them run with it, we're in great shape, but you know, our pitching staff is the strength of our team last year and James Leverton's run our, our pitchers the last three years and Lev was phenomenal again this year. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's an outstanding coach. I've, I've said for years that he was a D one guy waiting to happen. He's going to be a big time D one guy. Uh, his knowledge of the game off the chart, he loves to recruit and he's really good with the pitchers. Yeah. He gets the most out of them. So he got his opportunities. Now the, the pitching guy at university of Arkansas, little rock, and I'm excited for him because it's the next step in his development, his career, Tyler Johnson, uh, catching coach and really helping him with our hitters every day. He's in the cages with our guys. Phenomenal. Uh, probably the most mature 26 year old coach in the country. Uh, and I mean that, I mean, well, with I grew most- up around it too. You know, you, you can with tell his, the guys yeah. that grew up around it. Yeah. At least as much experience as any 26 year old in the country. He's already got five years of college coaching under his belt or getting ready to start its fifth year of college coaching. But you know, I mean, been around it with his dad, Skip, forever and watched Doggy Garrido run practices for crying out loud. So, I mean, Tyler gets it and uh, and he's he's phenomenal. But then, you know, Peter Stark ran our strength and conditioning program and helped helped Lev with our pitchers. And, and uh, you know, one of the neat things is I've now I've now promoted Peter to be the new pitching coach. And one of the neatest things about it is when when Lev got his job. You know, I, I floated the idea to our returning pitchers. Hey, you know, I don't think I have to look too far to find the next guy and and to a guy every one of them goes oh without a doubt coach coach stark would be phenomenal so you know that gave me a lot of a lot of good feel for it and uh and uh you know so we hired peter and he's back he'll run our strength and conditioning program run our pitching staff this year and then anthony miller last year was a big addition too and anthony was 
you know, he's a, he's a junior college All-American and a four or five-year professional guy that brings a lot of experience trying to get into the college game. And we, we were just blessed. I mean, I've got guys that really like to work and, and that love players and, and love the development phase. And that's what we have to have at this level. Yeah, I saw you last fall. Did you have to adjust anything with COVID protocols or was it pretty smooth sailing for you guys last fall? Well, our school was good for us. They let us play some outside competitions. They let us do our thing. And we, we had to battle through the COVID thing. And, you know, we, we did the best we could with it. And, and they gave us some protocols and we followed them. And, um, but we got our entire fall in, had, had a few guys, you know, that had to quarantine from time to time and, and, and sit out until, until they were healthy. But, uh, we got through it and, uh, you know, and then we played the entire spring and didn't miss a didn't miss a beat. Played played our entire season, didn't miss a game. So that was we didn't miss a game in our entire conference, which was which was phenomenal. So I'm I'm really excited that we had the opportunity to play. What did the year of of GA and at Mississippi State teach you? Oh my gosh! Well, you know, when I first got in the game, uh, you know, Pat Harrison opened up my eyes and said, Hey, you know, you want to coach college baseball. We need to get you a, a graduate assistantship job. And he gave me a list of 40 schools, send out resumes to, I sent them out on a Monday and on a Wednesday night, Ron Polk calls me and says, Hey, if, uh, if you're, if you're good enough for Pat Harrison, you're good enough for me. And we'd like to have you. And I was just, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Kansas farm boy from Fort Hayes state university trying to get in big time college baseball. And I get to go start out with Ron Polk. Are you, are you kidding me? If you didn't know that that was a God thing, then, uh, you know, I mean, I don't have any question in my mind. Good Lord was directing my paths there and opening up doors. And so, so thankful for that. But Coach Polk, I mean, he taught me about everything of the game. I mean, you know, um, you know, we, we, we plan practices down to the minute, you know, that's just kind of how it works, you know, and, uh, and you just stay on it until you get it. And, you know, you come back to it the next day, if you didn't get it done right today, um, you know, Coach Polk's detail was just phenomenal. Um, what a, what a joy and what a pleasure to have worked for him. And I love that man. I'd fight somebody for him today. You know, somebody say something bad about Ron Polk, they're going to have to deal with me. Were you coaching a little bit of everything there? I mean, how did the GA position work? Was it, was it something you were comfortable with coaching or were you coaching new things? How did that work for you? Yeah, no, he, uh, I was, you know, I was a corner infielder when I played. So I helped coach Polk with the infielders and I had the first baseman kind of were my responsibility, you know, uh, you know, here you get the first baseman. So, uh, I did that. And then I, I, you know, I helped with the hitters and worked in the cages with the guys. And, you know, one of the things that coach always worked real hard on was we all have to be on the same page. You know, we had a seven man coaching staff, four GAs and three full-time guys, and we all got to be on the same page. So we all got to know what we're talking about in the same way to these guys. We can't have seven different directions. And, and so that was, that was good to learn and see that happen. And, uh, you know, so you just, you just didn't go, you didn't go messing with guys a whole lot, but you worked with them and you, 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 you felt their conference and you collected together as a coaching staff and talked about how you were going to proceed from, from there. It was a, it was a phenomenal experience. The coach's handbook help with that streamline everything. Yeah. Yeah. The playbook. Are you the playbook. Yeah. I've got my copy in my office right now. I've given a I've given a copy to every one of my assistants and, you know, I mean, uh, I, I probably will forever. I mean, you know, what a, what a great way to start. You want to know how it's done. There you go. You need a PA for the, or you need a script for the PA system, you know, the PA guy here, it's in here. You, you know, I mean, coach Polk thought of everything and best, best uh, resource there is out there alive. What did the year out scouting do for you? 
Well, you know, it, uh, it really opened up my eyes to professional baseball and the beauty of it. You know, I think for, for 20 some years, I always thought that, and I always fought it, you know, I mean, I've, I was trying to hold on to all of our draft picks and you're crazy if you sign before, uh, you know, if you don't get life changing money and, and I think there's some truth to that, but, but, you know, the problem with college baseball now is we just have so many guys in the transfer portal and there's no, there's no development. You know, my first year at Mississippi state, I'll give you an example. We had two guys that started on that team in 1990 college world series team. that were fifth year players and it was their first year to start. That never happened, never will happen in college baseball today. Right. It just won't. We're not patient enough. The, the, the kids aren't patient enough. The coaches aren't patient enough. We're not working on the development phase like that. Uh, but the pro, th- the, the pro thing opened up my eyes to, to, you know, um, it's okay to sign, sign a pro contract early if, if you get the right opportunity and, and you want to go chase your dreams, you know? Uh, and I think for parents, if they just know that their kids, if they believe that their kid has the maturity level to go back to college and finish it up, if it doesn't work out and he doesn't make it to the big leagues, then there's no risk at all. Um, but, you know, uh, it just opened up my eyes to a whole other way of looking at the game. Yeah, it's intriguing on – you know, because there's examples of guys that were free agents that make it, or there's examples of first-round drafts that that don't make it. You know, that that's the huge X factor with college baseball, then professional baseball, is who actually makes it. I mean, and, and you're and you have a lot of big leaguers. You've coached a lot of big leaguers. What's been the separator for those guys that have made it besides talent? Well, they all have great work ethic. They all understand that you got to work. I mean, you're. Not- you know, I tell our team and I tell every group of campers that ever come into our place, you're not going to fall to the big leagues. So so don't think that your talent level is just going to be so great that all of a sudden you're going to make it. I mean, you're going to have to to climb and scrape and claw and and you're going to have to fight through a lot. And, uh, you know, so you, you've got to really want it, but you've got to you've got to really work. Your work ethic's got to be phenomenal. You've got to be willing to co- be coached, you know, Um you know, too many times we're, we deal with 18-year-old kids who think that they know it all, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, it's just one of those things where we as coaches have to be patient until they fail. And as soon as they fail, we got to show up. We got to show up with a little bit of an answer that'll, that'll help click them back on the right path. And all of a sudden, you've bought a lot of trust with those guys. And from now on, I think you've got them, you've got them uh, where you want them and you can continue to help develop them. How proud of you, Brother Nate, are you? Oh, yeah. No, awesome. You know, Nate was, Nate was born when I was 17 years old, senior in high school, you know, so, um, no, I'm proud of Nate and he's having great success at Arkansas and, uh, you know, great, great place for him and his family. And, um, you know, there's big things in the game for him. It's been fun to watch his progress starting out as a, a volunteer at Nebraska and, and then, uh, you know, uh, a full-time guy at Hutchinson Junior College to Missouri State to Arkansas. He's climbed the ladder and done a great job working at it. And, um, you know, we talk all the time, and he kicks off ideas. Hey, I got this problem. What do you think of this? You know, and I'm, I'm doing the exact same thing with him, you know, because he's had some junior college experience too, and he uh, he helps me out. So, no, we I love him to death, and I think the world of him. For a coach out there right now that that hasn't been at the Division One level, what do they need to hear? Because I think people that haven't been at the Division One level, they don't understand like all the sacrifices that you make to be at that level. What would you tell somebody that maybe hasn't coached that level that they need to know? 
I just think that, you know, even getting in the college game now, it's, it's, it's so different than when I first got in it. And I know I, I look old with my, with my gray hair and, my, you know, you start reading 32 years of coaching, you know, oh, yeah, geez. But, you know, um, you know, when I got in it, the entry level job was the GA and it was a great way. It's a great way to get in the game. And you worked on your master's degree and you you learned from great coaches. You made connections and it it opened up jobs. Now the entry level job is is the volunteer job, you know, and, and, and probably it's, it's, it may be a junior college job. It may be a small college job. And the thing I would just tell every coach is, you know, we have a sign up in our office that says big time is where you are. And, you know, we're all, we're all shooting to get to the highest level of the game that we can possibly get to. But if we don't understand that, that I've got to take care of my job right here, right now, and I've got to do it to the best of my ability. If I'll do that, then something something will open up down the line when it's supposed to open up for me. Uh, make the connections, you know. Develop your develop your your group of coaches that you trust and know and are friends with, um, and then coach the fire out of your guys. But you know, it's not going to happen without great great effort, and it's not going to happen without great sacrifice. There's going to be a lot of ramen noodle nights. There's going to be, you know, there's going to be some sleeping on the couches and doing some things at different places and. And fighting through it, and uh, you know, and I, I think Peter Stark from our staff's an unbelievable, you know, example of that. Peter's been a volunteer with us for the last three years, man, and you know, now he all of a sudden he's got a, he's got a full time job, and here we go. But you got to fight through it, and you got to really want it. What were some of the things that he was doing to make it work? I, I think this is the thing that people don't understand about college coaching. Is I did the same thing. I bartended when I first started. I mopped floors at the Harrisonburg newspaper when I got my job at James Madison. That was nine thousand. What were some of the other jobs that he was doing to make it work? Yeah, you know, I mean, he's uh, he's he's working summer baseball. He's with 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 some select organizations. He's 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 out doing strength and conditioning camps. He's he's I'm working. He's working our camps. He's uh you know, he's fighting for every, every, every dollar he gets, you know, I mean, there's guys that go work UPS in the morning from five to 12, <laughs> five to noon, show up in the afternoon and do it. And it, it's just, you've got to fight through that thing. Uh, I wish you know. Uber would have been around. I would have been an Uber driver. <laughs> you would have been an Uber pro. For, wouldn't? for sure. For <laughs> yeah. sure. Would have Uber. Yeah, no, Uber's probably, probably the way. I mean, there's, there's something that you can do to make some money to kind of hang on, but you're going to have to pay your dues and you're going to have to make the connections to get your foot in the door. Do you have a fail forward moment? Do you have something that you thought was going to sidetrack you, but looking back now is one of the best things that's happened to you? Well, you know, when my situation at Baylor changed on me, the whole world changed, you know, I'd worked there for 18 years and it was, it was a disappointing time and a frustrating time and you know, what's next. And, um, you know, I just, I made, I made a decision that I was going to take care of my family and do what I thought was right for my girls rather than pack up, move to the next college town, uh, you know, and, and so, you know, I went and scouted for that year and had a great year doing that, met, met some great people and, and it gave me great experience. And then they had the job at McLennan opened up and here we go. And I knew it was one that we could win at. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been, a, it's been a fun ride. I mean, there's, I would just tell guys that this is, you know, in the coaching profession, there's there's a, there's a lot of ups and downs. There's lots of wins and losses, and you better believe in what you believe in. You better you better know who you are. You better have a support system of family and faith uh, to get through it. Because there's going to be some times when you get kicked in the mouth, and you're going to have to deal with it, and uh, you're going to have to be able to get back up and 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 go forward. But that's that's really what the game of baseball teaches all of us. Uh, you know, and and I, I don't know fail forward moment, but 
you know, it was, it was a tough time for me and in, in our family. And, but, you know, I look back now and how, how has God blessed us? How many opportunities has he given us? And, you know, crap, here I am talking to you right now, Ryan, how cool is that? Right. You know, so. I, I just think it's a fascinating story, too. And you look across all levels of our industry. We have great people, great coaches. I think so many times people think, well, there's there's just this one way and there's not. Like people have carved out unbelievable careers in baseball, doing it a variety of ways. And I mean, you're a great example of that. And, you know, I think it's easy when things don't go our way, we can get down on ourselves. We can start to second guess ourselves you know, how do you work through that a little bit as a person? Because uh, like you said, we're all going to get punched in the mouth at some point. How do you work through that as a person? Yeah, for me, it's just faith. It's faith that God's got a plan that, you know, I mean, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord plans for good, not for evil, uh, to give you a hope and a future. I mean, you know, that, that that's what it is. And, you know, and, and when I say that it's my faith, I you know, my faith's important to me and, and, and I'm far from perfect. I'm, I'm a sinner, uh, you know, and, and I fail. And, uh, but, but, but I think it's faith and it's family and, and, and seriously, if you know what you truly believe in, then, you know, okay, we'll, we'll make this work and this will fall into place. I've, you know, I've done good work. There's going to be other opportunities. Here we go. And where, where do they show up? Be ready for them, you know? Uh, but you just got to keep putting your, putting one foot, one foot in front of the other and, and this, the, the, seriously, the game of baseball teaches us that, man. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna hit 300 and be really good, but that means you fail 70 percent of the time. So um, there's there's a lot of hard knocks throughout the game, but what a, what a what a ride, what a joy. When you're laying out the 12 month calendar for the program, and you've been doing this a long time. You're extremely successful. What are some of the things that you've kept that maybe you were learned from Ron Polk? You know. 30 plus years ago and, and maybe some of the newer things that you're doing now when you're laying out the, the 12 month calendar. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, coach Polk was, you know, so detail oriented, no question. And I and learned a ton for him from Hal Baird, from Steve Smith, all of them. It's a, it's a, you got to keep growing as a coach. You got to keep changing. And if you're not, you're very stagnant. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. You, you can't stay the same. Excuse me. So, you know, we, we really just focus in the fall, trying to get our guys really in great shape to keep everybody healthy, to really get a great evaluation of our team, uh, the different options and opportunities that we have. Can we play this guy here? Can we do this there? Uh, Coach Polk probably taught us that, you know, secondary position work and, and having guys be prepared for that. Uh, you know, the strength and conditioning factor, we're going to lift all, all – the entire year, you know, for my guys, I'm, I'm dealing with 18 and 19 year old kids and we're trying to get to the next level. We don't, we don't have a chance to kind of just go on a maintenance program. No bull. We're, we gotta be, we gotta be gaining strength the entire time. So you've got to adjust your practices accordingly to that. Uh, you know, playing double headers now in junior college baseball is an incredible thing in the springtime. Uh, we've got to prepare our guys to be mentally focused enough that they can hang on for six and seven hours at a time uh, mentally and physically to, to deal with that. So you don't, you don't do that without really preparing the strength and conditioning program and how you're practicing and doing all that. Um, I didn't understand why we'd play some 14, 16, 17 inning inner squads in Evansville (laughs) in the fall, but then you realize, okay, we've got to play four game series in the Missouri Valley we have to play three nines and a seven on a weekend. So you have to get acclimated to being out there for that long. 
No question. You got to get your kids ready for it. I mean, how are you going to stay mentally focused? And, and, you know, many times it really truly comes down to which team is the toughest, the mentally toughest can last the longest to, to, to win. And so you got to prepare your teams for that. Uh, you know, that's, that's something that you learn at the junior college level, or, or like you say, when you're playing a four game conference series weekend, it's, it's going to be a grind. Uh, and, and you've got to learn how to, to to back off then on practice on Monday or take it a little easier on Thursday before the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You just got to have a have a clue about that. Pay attention to your kids. Pay attention to their to to them their bodies. Ask your leaders how do they feel, um, you know, and and then know how you feel as a coach. You know, I mean, I'm exhausted after a doubleheader. Dead gum, you know. They they are too. So, um, I. I just think that the the twelve year thing you do have to have a twelve month plan like you're talking about. You've got to you've got to really try and work it well and and continue to build for it. Or else, what ends up happening is you're always you're always fighting from the heat your heels. You're always knocked back because there's there's twelve things that you need to do as a head coach, and you're behind on all of them. You should have had them done weeks ago. Um, you know, so so try and plan ahead and, and use the time use the time in November and December to try and get ahead for what's coming in the spring. And then you have a little time in the spring to plan for what's coming in the summer and summer for what's coming in the fall, you know, uh, but you, you, you've got to kind of have an idea as to what you want to work with the whole thing like that. You know, you, you've got a ton of guys showing up for, for starting school. How do you know that guys are in shape? I mean, I think that was always the question mark and always the worry because if you push too hard or too soon, you might have some guys get banged up. How do you know that guys are in shape? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that you do know. I, I know that you're, you're, you know, our coaches, we're constantly, we're, we're communicating with them for sure the last month before they're getting here. I mean, weekly, daily basis, somebody's calling, checking in. Hey, we're sending out our strength and conditioning. Hey, I want you in the weight room doing some of these things, moving along. I want you in your your legs, your running, this is the running program. This is what we need to be doing throwing program wise so that you're ready to go. Um, and that, that's, that's a struggle for us as coaches too, because, you know, just for me, this is my 32nd year. So this is pretty, pretty easy for me to understand that, Hey, as a college player, you better show up August 23rd and be ready to go. Ding, ding. It's game time, right? Simple for me, this 18 year old kid, he hasn't even been to a college practice yet. He doesn't know he doesn't know come here from Sikkim. And so, you know, he has no idea what's coming ahead of him. So we have to try and prepare him that way. And, and I think communication is probably the key, um, you know, and, and then if they, if they show up and they're not ready, well then, Hey, you know, they're going to fall behind and that's just it. You know, you pull a hamstring cause you're not ready to run. You know, uh, that's, that's a, that's a lesson to be learned. So we try and share some of those past probably tough moments and failures from past groups. Hey man, this guy did this years ago, and this was not a thing to do. You've got to you've got to show up and be ready, and try and encourage him to do that. And then, then be smart enough as a coach that you're not going to kill him the first two days of practice. Because really, I mean, August 23rd is not going to have a whole lot to do with the championship game in June. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would look at our freshmen every once in a while, and you could tell when they were struggling. I'm like, hey, just trust me on this. Next year is going to be a, a ton slower for you. Just just <laughs> trust me, and. And we'll have a good laugh about this next year when you show up for sophomore year and you get through that sophomore fall and I'm be like, hey, is it a lot slower? You're gonna be like, yeah, coach, it's a lot slower. <laughs> yeah, Just I need know to what remind to them it's it's it gets a lot been, slower I've, as you go. I've been there, done that, but it is it is important for us to to communicate with our kids and and you know to 
because we have, we've experienced it. We know what's coming. They don't. And so, uh, and we got to get our sophomores and our, and our juniors and our seniors at four-year school to really put their arms around guys too and help, help bring them along and grow up and get ready. Do you have any team drills or individual drills that you've kept with you this whole time? Or has it evolved or, or do you still have some tried and true ones that you go back to? You know, we, uh, we, we do a lot of different things on base running. We're pretty simple on team defense stuff. I mean, you know, uh, we're going to work on it week to week. I mean, we're going to, you know, we'll at least have probably once or twice a week. We're doing fly ball communication and we're working on the communication and how loud it needs to be and shooting them, shooting those balls up there as high as we can in the sun. And, you know, I mean, um, I don't know that I don't know that there's anything that that's like you know unique, unique, unique to us. But we are going to continue to hammer it, work, 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 and expect us to continue to get better at it. You know, I mean, team defense stuff. We'll be doing. We'll do a bunt defense. We'll do a first and third. We'll work fly ball communications. Uh, you know, cuts and relays every other week or something like that. Watching our inner squad games, how they're going. We'll do that stuff. Um, you know, one of the things we did this year that I really, really liked, I mean, I've always been a, I've always used machines and we've used machines out on the field for our hitters. Uh, but for, for the most part, we've always hit fastballs on the field. And, uh, you know, cause I want our guys to be able to hit fastballs. And, uh, and so we've worked that this year, we, 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 we incorporated in spinning the breaking balls to them on the field. And, um, you know, I mean, our, our guys struggle with it early, but then all of a sudden, here we go, and we were we were hammering those type of pitches in the, in the ball game. It'll be something I'll take with us forever from that. I, I uh, thought the great thing about breaking balls on the field is a lot easier to hit home runs. I'm not a big home run guy, but off the machine with breaking balls, the ball flies a little bit more than the fastball, where I think it helps some guys get some confidence off hammering breaking balls because the ball's going to travel a lot further off a breaking ball. It gave us a, it gave us a ton of confidence with two strikes in the season too. You know, I mean, we weren't worried about it. We know where we know where a breaking ball's got to start. We were better at laying off the the chase pitches. We were better at hammering the mistakes. Um, you know, and I just like that. I liked how our entire ball club kind of adjusted to it, and 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 I'll continue to do that all, all along. I think as coaches, we've got to come up with ways to make them compete. You know, uh, you know, we'll do some hitting drills and stuff. We call it the Highlander Hit Game, where we're working on small ball. You know, moving runners. You know, we're we're charting every 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 swing. Are you successful or not? It's yes or no. Um, you know, and, and, and do some different drills there, a push bunt, maybe a hit and run, uh, maybe a runner at second base, nobody out, runner at third base, corners in, middle back, and give each guy five swings. Doing time-wise, uh, we do, an, we do, uh, we do a, a, an opposite field hitting drill that's a competitive drill. Uh, backside game is what we call it, and, you know, and it's a fun game for the guys. So, you know, those type of drills, you got to keep being fresh. You got to keep moving them forward and, 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 and not getting dull for the players, you know. But at the same time, you know what? We got to be good at catching fly balls. So we got to do fly ball communication. It's a fundamental of the game. And, um, and we need that out when we get that out. So we work fly ball communication, even if it is boring for 10 minutes. What was some of the best advice you got when you first got into it? Um, love your players, you know. Um, Who told you that? Well, I mean, you just watched it. You watched Coach Polk. You know, the consistency that you bring as a coach, you've got to be consistent. I've talked about it already. Uh, you know, um, 
you know, I don't, I don't ever remember Ron Polk raising his voice. You know, I mean, he's if the players fail on the field, if, if they can't execute a, a bunt defense or first and third defense, it yeah, yeah, it could be a physical mistake on their part. Might be my mistake that we didn't work on it enough and didn't prepare for it enough. Take ownership as the coach, you know. I mean, um, you know, you know what I think great pitching coaches do? They have pitching staffs that pitch really well. Great hitting coaches, you know what? Their hitters hit. And, uh, you know, and so, you know, for us as coaches, we've got to take ownership of the good and the bad and understand that part of the bad sometimes is us too. We may need to figure out a new way of working on things. Uh, but love your players, treat your players with great respect all the time. And, and, uh, and at the end of the day, if you'll do that, then they'll love you. And, you know, when you, get, when, when you, when you do it for a long time, that's really something that we all look forward to is, is the relationships that we've built and the, the former players that that you know that they love you back, and that's pretty cool. Did you ever get bad advice? I don't know. I don't know. I can't. Did I can't. you ever learn what not to do? I mean, I think you learned that along the way too. Like you, you take oh, no examples question. of what not to do. Were there some examples of maybe? Okay, I'm going to try to stay away yeah. from that. Yeah, I'll give you an example. I mean, uh, <laughs> this is this is my this is my one of my aha moments as a coach. Uh, I was a hitting coach at Baylor and we had a freshman who we recruited because he could hit with power. And as a freshman, he came in and he hit 10 home runs, you know, as a freshman, pretty good. Right. And, uh, but he struck out 60 times. And so now as the hitting coach, I'm going to really focus on, Hey man, we've got to be able to lay off that chase pitch. We're going to hit a lot of breaking balls. You know, we're going to work on going the other way and being more consistent that way. And we did. And we got better at that. We may cut down the strikeouts, but we took away some of his power, which is why we recruited him. You know, um, you get you can't take away a kid's strength to work on his weakness. You got to let a kid play, and and you continue to work on improving the weaknesses. But how do you do play. that? I mean, I, I that that's a great point. I think we all ran through that as coaches that you're trying mm-hmm. to fix a problem at the expense of their strengths. How do you do that? How do you, okay, we're going to stick to those strengths and, and try to develop some of those weaknesses, but how do you, you got to stay strong in between the years as a coach? Yeah. And I think it probably comes down to, you know, what it probably comes down to, it comes down to time, you know, it comes down to experience level for the player. You know, I, I wanted, I wanted the freshman or the, the new sophomore hitter to hit like a senior. Well, he, he's had 150 college at bats. He hasn't had 600, you know, plus summer ball. So it comes with time and, it, and it's a process. And, and that's the part for us as coaches, again, you know, we want instant satisfaction. Our society wants instant satisfaction, instant gratification. Uh, but the game doesn't usually happen that way. And it's a, it's a process and it's a, it, it's a step-by-step deal that you just got to stay consistent and continue to work with kids. And all of a sudden you look up, and you know, Garrett Martin, when he was at our place as a freshman, struck out a lot, had power, struck out a lot. This year he was way better, you know, hit for more home runs, you know, but guess what? He was a third year guy. He's experienced. He's got 500 at bats under his belt. Here we go. He's, he's smarter than he was with zero at bats under his belt. Makes sense. Any morning or evening routines you feel like help you that you do on a daily basis? For our players? For you, for you personally. Uh, for, for me, well, um, you know, if, if, if I was smart, I'd be getting up and working out, but I'm not that, I'm not that good at that anymore. Uh, I need to get back to that. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe this question is 
what are you going to do better this next year for yourself, coach, that's going to help you? Uh, that's part of handling coaching, too, though, is, uh, you know, in your coaching journey, it, it, there's a lot of wear and tear on you mentally, physically. You know, I, I think that's part of developing as a coach, too, is is trying to get through the, the – I don't like calling it a grind because if you're passionate about it, it's not a grind. But just the, the whole path and journey of coaching itself is a long path and journey, and, and developing some of those things are going to help you get along that journey. I've, I've got an accountability group that I meet with once a week, every Tuesday, uh, you know, Christian friends and, co and, 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 and supporters and guys that, you know, we've been around each other for a long time and we get together and we share each other's problems and we, we talk about what's going on. We share each other's uh, successes and, and kind of just spur each other on, you know, to try and do, you know, try and live a Christ-like life. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's something that's been very valuable to me. And, I, you know, if I'm telling anybody else anything else, that'd be find, find three or four friends that you can really trust and, and spend time with them and, and, and do that, you know, but you got to take care of your family and do all that too. And evening routines, boy, I'm, I'm not much good at the evening after, after I get home. And if I've got recruiting phone calls or this or that, uh, uh, I think when I was younger, I, I, I definitely exercised more. I was doing some of that. I was in, you know, uh, having a devotional every day, trying to continue to do those things. And, I, and, you know, you need to continue to try and do that and get back to that for sure. Just read a really good book on timing, and it, it goes into almost circadian rhythms. Like some people are afternoon people, some people are evening people, some people are morning people. And that's really what it talked about was like trying to find for you individually where you're more productive and, and aware and, and everybody is different. That's the, the interesting thing with humans is our bodies are different. Our brains are different. So your, your peak hours of work and might be different than mine. So it's really about trying to find what, when those great peak hours are for you individually. Yeah. And I, and I, I you know, I'm a reader. I do read too. And, and you know, uh, I think, I think that that's, that's a great way of kind of continuing to help us keep perspective, uh, to keep learning, to keep growing as, as, as men and people and, and coaches. So what's your favorite uh, non-baseball book? Uh, Traveler's Gifts. My Traveler's Gift, you know, is, is my, is, is my favorite book that I've ever read. And it's something that I try and share with my players uh, because I think some of the life lessons in there are really phenomenal and, and they, they have a great meaning. Uh, when did you so, first read that? Gosh, I don't know, 10, 12, 10, 12 years ago. I don't know. It's just, it's, yeah, probably, probably that long ago, but it's, it's something that, that you know. I mean, uh, makes you makes you understand that yeah, you're accountable for what goes on, and you've got to help help make things happen, and how you look at things, and uh, that it all it all has an impact. How do you get that? How do you relay that to your players? I think the, the accountability piece and personal accountability, like when you start to take accountability for everything that happens around you as a person, I think the world opens up to you. And how do you relay that to your players? You know, we've been blessed. Uh, we've been blessed to have a bunch of great kids in our program. And, and, you know, one of the things that, that, that we do is, is I'm really upfront and honest with them right from the get go. You know, this is what I'm looking for in a player. This is what I'm looking for in a student. This is what I'm looking for in a person. If, if you don't fit this, you know yourself way better than we know you. Okay. We think we know you. That's why you're hitting, sitting here in our, in our, in our office. But uh, you know yourself. And if, if, if that's not who you are and what you want to become, then please don't come here. And I think what part of the thing that we, I think we've, we've been successful at is we've probably dodged some of the problems that we've, we could have had just because we're upfront and honest in the, in the recruiting process where kids 
you know, can really buy into to who they are and what they want to become. And, you know, birds of a feather want to flock together. And, and uh, you know, so what you end up getting is, is kind of what you want. And so we've, you know, I, we don't have a problem with our kids wanting to get to the next place. Our guys are driven, you know, every, I tell every guy that I come into our program, you know, if you don't want to play in the big leagues, I, I really don't want you here. And I'm not sm- stupid enough to think that every guy is going to make it to the big leagues, but you know, if they want to, then they're going to work and I'm never going to have to kick them about that. And they're going to, they're going to want to be coached and they're going to want to learn and they're going to be, they're trying to get better um, and striving for excellence. And so I think that being really honest in the recruiting process for us has been a real plus. How do you incorporate your family into your program? I'll have, uh, I'll have our players out to our house, you know, early, usually early in the, in the year, uh, in the fall, uh, we'll come out for a hamburger deal. They'll get to meet, meet my wife. And, you know, if my girls are around, they would get to see meet my girls. And I think it's important for them to see you as a, you know, as a family man, as well as, as opposed to just coach, you know, hard nosed coach, uh, you know, uh, we'll do that. We'll do something again with Christmas with them and, and then, you know, of course, you know, throughout the season, my wife will be around and my girls will be around and, uh, you know, yeah, just, 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 just be real around, around, around the guys. But I think having them out to the house is a neat deal and, and something that, uh, you know, it, it, it helps, it helps everybody re- realize that you're a real person too. You're not just this, you know, <laughs> Labor Day the, Olympics. That was a fun yeah. one. I think, uh, coach Bianco at Ole Miss does that also, where you do different events at the house. We had. We had some great events. Hula hoop was one. My daughter was young at the time. She couldn't, they had to stop her. She finally won. They were like, hey, you won. She was going for like six, seven straight minutes. And so it was just very unique. Those are some of those great memories that you have with with them being around your family because they do see a different side and and also can compete in some different ways too. So I think it incorporates a lot of different things. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. You're on the NJCA executive committee. I think you guys are doing a great job of pushing junior college baseball forward with some great ideas. How much have you enjoyed being on the executive committee for the NJCA? Yeah, great, great opportunity. And, you know, the ABCA has given me so much over the years and, you know, meet, meeting so many great people in the game and uh, helping to learn from other guys and their successes and their failures and their mistakes and, um, yeah, it's been it's been phenomenal. I mean, I, I love it with, you know, everybody on that committee and um, those guys are phenomenal people. And I'm just trying to help give a little insight that I can and, and make a difference as well and continue to move this thing forward. We've got a great level of baseball. Uh, junior college is a great level. And there's there's a lot of really good coaches out there and good people. And we just got to continue to try and move the move the mindset a little bit to to, to continue to to always strive, you know, to strive to be the best and to do the best with what we have. We're all limited a little bit with finances and facilities and, and how are you going to overcome that? And so, um, you know, it's all, it's all, it's exciting to be around guys that are, that are working to try and improve the game. I think that was one of the benefits of COVID was it pushed streaming. We, there's so many more levels of college baseball that are streamed online now that I think COVID kind of pushed that, that, okay, we can't have people show up or it's going to be limited. How do we get our product in front of people, in front of parents? I think that probably was one of the bigger benefits of COVID was the amount of streaming games that are out now. Yeah, no question. I mean, it was, last year was the first year we streamed all our games, you know, and, uh, 
and I think that it was a great benefit. I mean, we've had games on the radio and this and that, but now we now we're streaming them live with the radio broadcast, and that was great. Uh, you know, COVID definitely had an impact in that way with the streaming and and like you say, you know, just trying to to improve the game and continue to uh, to take it one step at a time. And you know, I think that. When I look at junior college baseball 20 years ago to where we are now, we've come a long way. And, uh, and, and hopefully we'll continue to take those steps. And 20 years from now, you look back and go, wow, look where we're at now. What are some final thoughts? Nothing. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think that I have anything special. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm incredibly blessed. The national championship was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I do know this, that, that winning it is way better than finishing second. Uh, that was, that was <laughs> for anybody out there that wondered, that's, uh, that's pretty simple, right? Uh, you know, but what a joy and what a blessing to be around those kids to watch them celebrate. And uh, I hope, pray that good Lord gives us another opportunity to do it down the line. Uh, it's it's been a it's been a great ride, and I can't wait for year number thirty two to crank up. Yeah, I'm really happy for you, Mitch. So thanks so much for coming on with me. Good luck with the start of the fall, Ryan. We really appreciate you and appreciate the ABCA and all you guys do. Can't wait to see you in Chicago and. Uh, Thanks for having us on today. Yeah, we'll hug. We will hug. You and I are huggers, so we'll hug. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, bye. I have so much respect for Mitch. He's always been gracious with his time and sharing his experience. I spent a lot of time with him on the recruiting trail. Couldn't be happier for him for the success he's having with the Highlander program. Congrats again to the staff and players of McLennan on their national championship. Thanks again to John Litchfield, Zach Hale, and Matt West in the ABC office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter at coachb underscore abca, Instagram at ryanbrownlee17, or direct message me via the MyABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you. Don't have-